Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Please help me welcome on Pastor Greg Locke. Pastor Greg, how are you? Awesome. Well, hey, this is a long time coming. I'm super excited to have you on the broadcast tonight. I'm very expectant on what God is going to do. You shared something before Vlad got up and preached at the conference that I've sent to like 30 pastors. I sent it to all my pastor friends. I said, look, it's happening. God is doing it. God is waking up leaders and pastors. They're doing deliverance. They're seeing miracles. And I was just, oh, I'm sorry. You were muted there. I was just tremendously touched by what you shared before Vlad got up of what God is doing in your church. So because it's your first time on the podcast, I would love for you to just take your time, share your story, share some of your testimony, and then talk to us about how you went from being a Baptist cessationist, and you can explain it better than me, to now you're casting out demons, you're laying hands on the sick, and you guys are seeing an authentic revival at your church. So just feel free. The floor is yours. Go ahead and just take it away here. Amen. Thank you, brother. I I was saved 30 years ago in a youth revival, and I grew up Baptist and very Baptistic, but I didn't like the church. I didn't love Jesus. And I went to a youth revival one night because I was taken there by a children's home. I was in state's custody, Make a long story short, I'd been arrested six times on probation, five times. My life was an utter wreck without the Lord. And so I went to a Christian children's home. So I don't demonize my past a lot, but uh, I really was a cessationist. But it it gave me a hunger and a militancy for the word of God. And so I went to this children's home. They took me to a revival meeting. I got mad on Friday night, went back, got saved on Saturday night, 30 years ago in the month of April. And so the Lord just began to put me on this trajectory of a desire to preach. And so 16, 17, I started preaching. I went off to seminary. I traveled for almost 11 years as an evangelist. Uh, I'm 46 now. So when I was 30 years old, I came off the road full-time and I started Global Vision, what was then Baptist Church, Global Vision Bible Church, where you've been. And we were very much traditional, just kind of mainstream, independent, Southern Baptist type of a church. Very traditional. I would mow my grass in a suit and tie, no screens on on the wall, you know, no trap set, no drums, you know, still singing out of the red back hymnal. And we began to progress. In 2012, we changed the name from Baptist to Bible. And people have to understand that may not seem like a big deal, but all I knew was the denominational Mm. lens of an independent Baptist, right? And so I felt like I was you know, committing pastoral suicide. I was going against everything that I knew. So many of my friends threw me under the bus and that was really just the beginning. And so God began to remove the scales from my eyes over the course of the next few years. And what's interesting, Isaiah, is everybody knows me for my political standings and, you know, standing with Trump and, you know, going with the Trump administration on the Trump bus tour and all that. And so CNN has done us no favors. You know, all the major news media outlets has you know, made me out to be some kind of racist bigot and everything you can imagine. But what happened was this, and I'm going to work backwards a little bit and you jump in anytime because this is your show. No, go for it. So good. What happened was the Lord used politics and controversy, red hot controversy, like target transgender bathrooms and things like that. And all these videos that was millions and millions of views and Fox news. He used all of that to give us a massive size platform. But I tell people looking back now in, in God's providence, I see that he used all of that to give us a massive platform, but that wasn't what the platform was for. Mm. The platform was designed for this, to come set on, the captives on. free, for deliverance, for a real Holy Spirit revival. 
and really to pastor pastors. Because the people that came to our conference, we had three weeks to put it together, 3,500 people showed up. And I'm like, most of these pastors don't even understand the concept of deliverance. Mm. And so we were feeding the hungry individuals. They've taken it back to their churches by the hundreds. It's breaking out all over America. We're hearing about it literally every day. It's probably one of the most humbling things I've ever been involved in as a leader, to lead leaders in a movement that's kind of been under a rock for so many years and to, to bring a global voice to something that was the number one thing Jesus did. You would think Come the church on. had been talking about this for 2,000 years, right? But we haven't been. And I didn't. I was afraid of it. Deliverance for me was a Burt Reynolds movie, right? Mm. I didn't talk about deliverance. I didn't talk about demons. I don't know where I thought they went, but it was a shame Come that on. for 30 years, I would get up before a very large congregation that grew I mean, we were baptizing people left and right. We didn't close during COVID. And so a lot of people love that, that lion-like boldness. And so they were they were driving and flying to our church because of that. And I would get up and say, oh, yes, the power is in the name of Jesus. Demons flee at the name of Jesus. But I didn't know what I was talking about because I'd never seen a demon flee at the name of Jesus. And had wow. they done it, it would have freaked me out, right? Because the problem is for years, I pastored the church that my friends wanted me to pastor, Come not on. the one that my community needed. And the one my community needed was a full-blown deliverance church. That's what my community needed, right? So to make a long story short, I spelled cessationism all capital. I was Come against on. all tongues, all signs, all wonders, all deliverance. All of that had ceased. You know, I had my King James Bible and that was it. God didn't speak anymore. Well, the problem is God started speaking and things started happening Come in our on. church Come on. <laughs> that I had preached against for decades, right? And so people need to understand that God sent our church revival in the midst of revival. It's not like we were looking for a bigger crowd. We were already running a couple thousand on Sunday. We had baptized thousands of people in a tent, right? In a circus tent, in a horse trough, and people just kept coming. They were getting saved. And here's how the real transition started. I wrote a book. Uh, my third of four books called Accessing Your Anointing. And it was my very public goodbye to cessationism. Come right? on. But still no deliverance. I was just convinced of the gifts. I was just convinced that there's not a verse in the Bible where the gifts stop, but there's a bunch of them where they kept going. Come right? on. And so I was like, man, we're the 29th chapter of the book of Acts. We are the continuation of the Pentecost movement, no matter how much I wanted to deny that reality. So things would start happening in the church and as a pastor, I would kind of shut it down. I would stifle mm. the spirit. I wouldn't say that, but I was like a wet blanket on the fire of God. And I knew it. And I would go home and I would just be a wreck. And I would tell my wife, I'd say, honey, I know God's got more, but I'm nervous. You know, what's the church going to think? They're going to think I'm a charismaniac and I've been this Baptist for all these years. And I've preached this sound theology. So I thought fundamentally, and now all my friends are going to say, oh, he's a compromiser. And, and that's just not in my nature. Well, it wasn't in my nature to be able to explain what God was doing. I mean, Come on. it was inexplainable. And so what happened one night, we were laying in the bed. My wife always struggled with, and I say struggled in the past tense, scoliosis. She had horrible curvature of the spine, pain every day, chiropractors, you know, the whole nine yards. So one night we were, we were laying in the bed, and this was pre-deliverance. And she was asleep, and it was just me and the Holy Spirit. And I felt like the Lord just came in that room and said, Greg, I want you to lay your hands on your mm. wife's back. And I want you to not just pray some little mealy mouth prayer. I want you to command healing into your wife's back. And I'm thinking, well, she's asleep. What do I have to lose if it don't work? You know? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and so I'm laying there and all the just, I mean, 
I'm pastoring a big church. We have millions of followers online. We have a giant live stream. I'm preaching all over America, and I'm nervous to lay hands on my wife's back. Wow. In, in a bedroom with me and a dog and the Holy wow. Spirit. That was it. And so I reached over, and I laid my hand, and I just I just began to cry. I mean, the, the presence of the Lord, and I, I get emotional thinking about it now, mm. just came over me, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command my wife's back to be straightened. No matter what I've thought, no matter what I was taught, I command it to happen right now by his stripes. She is healed in the name of Jesus. And so I fell off to sleep. The next day, she said nothing, and neither did I. Mm. Two days went by, nothing. The third day, she cornered me in the bathroom one morning. She said, let me ask you a question. She said, did you pray over my back the other day? And I wanted to say, why did it not work? Yeah. And she said, I just want you to know for the last three days, there's been just an unbelievable presence about Ooh, me. And come she, on. Her back has not hurt one bit. Went back to the chiropractor. Her, her back is like completely straightened, right? Scoliosis has gone out of her back. So people can say what they want to. But when your theology and your experience on, match, you are dangerous to the devil right there, right? And so it, it happened before my very eyes. And so I put the book out, Accessing Your Anointing. And again, total ignorance of what deliverance was. No idea. I, I knew about demons, but that was that was a nervous, nauseating subject for me. I mean, what do you talk about demons? That's kind of weird. But I knew God was doing something in our church. I was watching people be healed. I was watching homes get put back together. And my wife and I just really began to pray and press in. And so here's what happened. And I know it's a long way around the barn, but this no, is the go most ahead, take your time. This important is so thing. Good that God used to just unbelievably embarrass me and shake us to the core of our theology. And it's it's why we are who we are right this very second. It's why I'm on this show right now. So we always have a lot of people that we baptize. Again, we've, we've baptized 6,500 people in two and a half years wow. in a horse trough. So at this time, we were probably, you know, three and a half, 4,000 people that we had baptized. We have a large live stream. And so when it's live, it's live, right? There's nothing you can do about it. So we're baptizing. I, I decided couple of years ago that I was going to do all the baptisms myself. I just thought that was important. You know, people are watching my videos, they're getting born again, they're coming to our church. And so I wanted them to get that special touch. I wanted them to know that I appreciated them. And so I, I was baptizing. My wife always holds the microphone. And I turned around and there was a grandmother and she had jumped into the waters of the baptistry and she was holding a girl that was about eight or nine years old. We've since found the picture and the video uh, for the movie that's coming out that we'll talk about later in the broadcast. And this little girl was just very uncomfortable in her grandmother's arms. And I'm thinking in my baptistic mindset, what is this, a two-for-one deal? You know, I, I don't baptize two people at the same time. But I didn't want to embarrass this grandmother on the live stream. And something mm. in my spirit said, just do it. Just ignore what you're thinking and just do it. Because that grandmama knew something I didn't know. Come on. And so we, we put grandmama down in the water. And when I did, that little girl grabbed both sides of the baptistry and she arched her back and she, hand to God, manifested a full-blown cat in our baptistry. She began to hiss. It'd be just like trying to baptize a cat, wow. right? She began to hiss. Her eyes changed. She, she jumped up out of the water. She put her fingers out like they were claws and just... And at that moment, I was pastoring a couple of thousand people. And I was afraid of an eight-year-old kid that seemed 10 foot tall and bulletproof and didn't know what to do with the demon that was looking me right in my face. Wow. A seminary education, <laughs> preach expository line by line three times a week and, you know, have four and a half million followers across all of our platforms and didn't know what to do with a demon and an eight-year-old kid. And it shook me to my core, Isaiah. I mean, it, it shook me. 
And so I'm like, okay, did this happen? Is this happening right before me? Let, let's get her out, get the next one going. I don't want to embarrass the people on the live stream, but I was more worried about embarrassing myself because I knew my mm. friends were going to be watching this video. And so she gets out, the next one gets in, and I seamlessly kept going, but my wife couldn't. She could not. She was wrecked. And she took the microphone and she gave it to somebody, an usher to hold the mic for me. And she said, I've got to go find that little girl. What she thought she was going to do if she found her, I don't know because we weren't there yet. But it was in that moment that God filled us with desperation for broken people. And so she began to walk through that crowd. And our tagline has always been where broken people find new meaning to life. But when you start dealing with demonic oppression, Come that's on. a new level of brokenness that I didn't know anything about. Mm -hmm. So we didn't find the little girl. And so what happened was we went home that night and uh, we laid in the bed and we literally cried ourselves to sleep. And my wife said, how can we pastor a big church and not know how to help an eight-year-old girl with a demon? Wow. Wow. And I mean, we were, we were rocked. I mean, we were utterly wrecked in that moment. And hand to God, for the next two weeks, every night, we cried before the Lord. And we said, Lord, we're going to fast and pray. And if you will teach us, if you will put people in our path, and he did. I mean, one of our security guards was like, you ever heard of this guy named Isaiah? And I mean, he started opening up these videos and books. And we said, Lord, if you will teach us how to do this successfully, we will never let anybody leave our church and our presence ever again being in torment like that. And that was the literal turnaround moment for us. And that, people have to understand, this past August was just a year ago that wow, that happened. People think we've been doing deliverance year. for We've been doing this for a year, right? And we didn't even start till January, right? We let August to January go by. We're learning, we're we're praying, and said nothing to no one, because I for fear that these people go think I'm crazy. And what is our big church going to think about when I jump up and say, "Hey, we're going to be baptized headlong in the deliverance ministry"? It got to a point where I just I didn't care. It was just too much, too much, too much. The Lord just began to show us things. Uh, various people, Pastor Henry Schaefer, he spoke at our, our recent deliverance conference. He brought me into his office one night. I was on the book tour for my goodbye to cessationism book. And I didn't even say anything about deliverance. And he said, I want to talk to you. He took me to office. We sat down. He said, I want to talk to you about deliverance ministry. And for 45 minutes, he just sowed into my life. And it, it gave me a hunger. And so what happened was I got home the next week and I had preached for a pastor in Charlotte whose wife worked for Derek Prince Ministries. She sent me a letter the next week and she said, I see something in you that maybe others don't see. And she sent me the book, They Shall Expel Demons, and a five-part CD series. And my wife and I, we got in my truck every day for five days and we called it just a, like a coffee date, like a driving date. And we would drive around for one hour and listen to Derek Prince. Come and I never, I'd heard about him, but I didn't know who he was. And I was like, ah, who is this guy? You know, he's too charismatic for me. The first time he started talking and I heard that English brogue, I was like, man, this guy's intelligent. Yeah. This, this guy was a Greek professor at Cambridge University. He knows what he's talking about. And everything he said so resonated with me. So we fast forward. We're in January of the past, just this past January, right? We're in a tent. We're in a rental tent because our tent got blown down in a tornado. And I got up one Wednesday night. The only person I told before I preached was my wife, Ty. And I said, baby, tonight I'm going to preach on deliverance from demons. And I said, I don't even know what I'm doing. But I know what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John says. And so I'm just going to start there. And I'm going to mm. preach on every single time Jesus ever encountered an evil spirit. And I'm going to take it as long. And I thought it would be like a two or three-week series. It was like 42 weeks. And so I got up that Wednesday night, and I just started. And here's where I knew, brother. Here's where I knew that God had shifted our ministry. I got up on that Wednesday night. I just watched the video a couple of weeks ago. 
And I said, all right, folks, I don't know why, but tonight I'm going to preach on deliverance from demons. And when I did, our church erupted with a standing ovation, with wow. crying and hooping and hollering. And it was in that it was in that moment that I knew God had prepared the hearts of our congregation before he had prepared the hearts of its shepherds. Mm. And it was such a humbling moment to see the hunger in our people. And I preached that night. I, I preached like I'd been preaching on demons for 20 years, and I didn't know anything but y'all's videos and Derek <laughs> Prince books. That was it, <laughs> right? And what the New Testament said, and that was enough for me. And man, when I get a hold of something, I roll with it. I don't back down. Mm. I pull no punches. I just hit it wide open. If you're waiting on me, you're backing up, right? So I just mashed the gas. And I'd never seen it other than that little girl, which was a colossal failure. And we needed to see that because I needed to be embarrassed mm. out of my out of my bad theology, <laughs> right? I needed to be embarrassed out of my bad theology. And the Holy Ghost will embarrass you so he can get glory. Come on. And so that was Wednesday. And then... Why we're having this discussion now is because that Friday is when it really started. I'd only preached on it the one time. I got on our, our bus. I went to Arkansas. I was preaching in a tent meeting. It was very cold. And a lady that is an online follower, she drove all the way from Oklahoma. And she hugged me and she said, I'm going to wait all night after this service, after the meet and greet. And those can go a long time. You know how that is. Yeah. And she said, uh, I'm going to wait on you because the Holy Spirit told me to come from Oklahoma for you to lay hands on me. And I need to be delivered. And I'll be honest. I was like, oh, well, you probably should have got that for you left Oklahoma. I said, I, I've never done that. She said, I know. She said, you're my online pastor. I know everything you've said. And I watched what you said Wednesday night. And if you believe what you preach Wednesday night, you're going to lay hands on me and you're going to get this spirit of torment out of me. And I said, well, okay, since you put it like that. So I let the whole service go by. It's like 1130 at night, 25 degrees outside. And she sat in a folding chair and waited, me, waited for me the whole time with her husband and her sister. And I walked over and I said, are you ready? She said, are you? I said, I, I believe I am. I didn't know anything to call it. I didn't have John Eckhart's manual. I didn't have the demon hit list. I just had a tiny amount of faith in what I had preached on two days earlier. And I walked over to her and, you know, I, I didn't know about commanding demons. I thought you prayed them out. I didn't know. So the Lord, in his, the Lord in his mercy, you know, helped me. So I laid my hands on her head and I got down close and I said, evil spirit, I don't know who you are. But I command you right now in the authority of the name of Jesus to reveal yourself and come out now. And I thought I'd be embarrassed. Oh, no. Within seconds, she's slithering in the floor. She's crying. She's throwing up white goop. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like it works. Well, like Luke yes. like Luke 10. You're like, it works. Yes. So to a guy like me and you, I'm like, oh, that emboldened me. So I'm up. I said, come out in the name of Jesus. And I'm going crazy. I'm breaking a sweat. You know? And I mean, I'm just going, going. And she's just getting all of this freedom. And I lift her up. And she literally, Isaiah 61.3, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. She just began to speak in tongues. She began to worship the Lord. And I mean, her, her color came back. Her eyes, her glasses were so fogged up and she was just pouring. I knew in that second, you couldn't make this up, especially not that quick, right? There was no way to make mm. that up. And so we got on the bus and I told my assistant, I was like, bro, it worked. It did exactly what Jesus said it would do. Come on. It responded the same way. So Sunday came around and I was going to sit on that, not a peep. I wasn't going to say a word because there was a lot of embarrassing details. You just throwing up, you know, what are people going to think about that? Yeah. Think I'm crazy, yeah. you know? And so I preached the third message uh, the second message on deliverance from demons and just kind of kept mashing the gas. My wife always gets up to pray when I'm done. So she got up, she was turning her microphone on and I said, honey, stop for a minute. 
I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to say something. And I knew in that moment, the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with our church what happened on Friday, that experience. I had to let them know what I had seen with my own eyes. I mean, Jesus was very plain. You tell them what you've seen, tell them what you heard. Come right? on. Don't, don't be ashamed of it. So I told that story and they were laughing, you know, on the whole deal. And honest to goodness, that's all it took. And that day, revival out of nowhere uh, just hit our church. And the service went to about 2.30. People were just, we didn't even know what to do. And I'm calling spirits out of people. My wife, we had no workers. No, nobody knew what to do. You know, we had a Derek Prince manual. That was it. Church went to a 2.30. The next week, church went to a 12.30 that night. This following week, it went to a 2.30 Monday morning wow. in a freezing cold tent. Hundreds of people standing in line knowing that they're next. My wife and I, our daughter, a couple of people that we tried to train, just were just literally doing deliverance ministry for hours and hours. And then it kept breaking out and breaking out. So weeks went by, and what would happen is we would have Sunday. It would go into Monday. I would go home, get a few hours of sleep, wake up, do my 6 a.m. Monday morning men's Bible study. We would get back to the office, and 100 people had slept in the parking lot in cars wow. from all over America. I mean, it's just so – it's like it was yesterday. It's so real. It's so real and raw. And I know I come across all bold and demonstrative, but it, it's wrecked me. It's changed my life. It's changed my marriage. It's changed our church. It's changed my preaching. And since then, we have literally had thousands and thousands and thousands of people come to our church for personal, private. And now we've had to go into mass deliverance. And we literally have mass deliverance every single Sunday night. We're pushing 40 straight Sunday nights where hundreds of people come from all over the world just for that one service. That's a long way around the barn, but that's the revival that God's doing in Mount Juliet, Tennessee right now. Come on. And I know, man, I'm getting <laughs> emotional and touched by this, but I know there's pastors and leaders and families watching that are going, this is what I've been waiting for. This is the confirmation for me to step out. It really, what you said was, it's a fear of man. What are people going to think yes. if I start? And, and it's so mind blowing to me. This is what pastors think and leaders. What are people going to think if I start doing what Jesus did? Because at the end of the day, the <laughs> critics, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the heresy hunters on YouTube, they can talk and say all that they want to say, but they can't say Jesus didn't do this. That's Everywhere right. Jesus goes, he starts Mark 1, his ministry starting. The first service he does, he goes, all right, yes. guys, and a man starts manifesting <laughs> a demon. And then Mark 1, he goes from synagogue to synagogue, driving out demons. This is the work of Jesus Christ. And, you know, yes. it's so touching and, and the hunger you see in people. And you're a perfect story of when you start telling your church, pastors think, once I tell my church, everyone's going to leave. No one's going to want to be there. But in reality, your church has been waiting on this for years. Yes. If you're a pastor <laughs> watching and you're on the edge your church has been waiting on this. People are, have been in bondage and we've been as leaders, you know, this so quick to prescribe. Maybe you just need another pill or maybe you just need therapy. I mean, I'm, oh man, I'm listening to leaders on stages saying, hey, yes. you need to go get more antidepressants. These are preachers. Yeah. I'm like, you're a preacher of the word of God telling your, oh man, I feel like uh, telling your <laughs> congregation, they need to go get more antidepressants. Why? Because your lack of spiritual authority your mm. lack of spiritual power, your lack of dedication and commitment and humility to say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Humble me. If it's yes. in your word, I want to see it. I want to see the dead raised. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see demons driven out. And I'm I'm not even worried any longer about my reputation. I remember for me in August of 2020, when, the, when I had the visitation of the Holy Spirit for several weeks of him saying, hey, you're going to emphasize on casting out demons. And I'd always preached about it and hit like, 
highlighted it maybe five minutes a month on my sermons, right? I always talked about it. I prayed for it, but it was never something I like, I was that guy teaching it. And then the Holy Spirit told me like you, I thought it was going to be one week. Okay, no problem. I love casting out demons. I love seeing it. I started out doing that when I got saved and this is it. And it ended up being for me like an entire year of teaching on deliverance and casting out demons. And when the Holy Spirit came to me, he told me, you're going to have to lay down your reputation. There's going to be leaders, pastors, not the world, but preachers that are going mm. to hate you for this, that yep. are going to, and, and some of them did some of them. Hey man, I don't know about all that. And, and, and you're going, you don't know about all what that Jesus cast out demons mm. that were called as believers, every single one of us to do the work that Jesus did. It's like, man, this idea of we got to be careful. What are we, what do we have to be careful of that? People are going to get set free. Even mm. with kids. I hear people say yeah. you shouldn't have kids in the services with mass deliverance. I'm thinking like, what about the girl in, in Mark seven that brought her daughter to Jesus or brought yes. her came on behalf of her daughter? What about the man that came on behalf of it, brought his son and said, Jesus, deliver my son. What about these people in the Bible that needed their kids to be delivered? So we have all these fake ideas about deliverance as leaders and pastors that are holding the church back from seeing this move of God. I believe now, uh, you, you probably would agree with me. Many people wouldn't, and it doesn't matter whether you guys agree or not. We've seen charismatic revival. We've seen Pentecostal revival. We've seen healing revivals. We've seen the gifts of the spirit revival, all these moves of God from the eighties, the seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. I don't think we've seen yet a deliverance revival. And I'm believing mm -hmm. that what God is doing, you know, in our ministry, in your ministry with Pagani, with Daniel Adams, with Vlad, all these guys that God is just all of a sudden raising up with this message of deliverance. And it's, it is the message of Jesus Christ. Let's make that clear for the critics in the comments. This is not the message of deliverance. This is the message of Jesus Christ is alive. His power is for today. His anointing is real. The spirits that were here when he was here are still here. And God has given us as believers all power and authority over unclean spirits. I believe that we are mm. on the verge of the greatest, the first and greatest deliverance revival the nation, the world has ever seen. And this yes. will be a global movement. And you, you look mm. at, you might say like, hey, Isaiah, you know, you started this in 2020 or whatever, and I'm new to this. It's been a year, but I think we're still so early for what God's going to do in America. I think we're still on the, the forerunning, the cutting edge. We're pioneers. And I know we're pioneers because we're getting persecuted for it. Yes. Pioneers always get persecuted for, for trailblazing, for setting a new path that's never been set before. And if you're a leader, pastor, a mom, a dad, a, a, whatever you are right now, be hungry for this revival. Be hungry. Say, Lord, I want to do this. I want to see deliverance. I want to see breakthrough. You have to humble yourself. You have to step out of the boat and just start doing the work. So you start doing this deliverance. <laughs> deliverance revival is happening in your church. Tell me a little bit about what were your friends that were pastors that are inviting you to preach? What were people thinking? What were people saying? What were the headlines? I do want to talk about one thing that you went crazy viral for that I saw you on Reddit on the front page one day on the atheist Reddit, which I'm like, of course, mm -hmm. they hate all preachers, but they were really going after you for burning occult like items. The first burning yeah. that you did, that was massive. It was all over the news. Like literally every single news station was covering this. I read one of the articles and I'm thinking like, well, he's doing what the book of Acts says to do. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it, it wouldn't even be wrong to do it if it wasn't in the Bible, but the fact that it is in the Bible and people yeah. are so mad about this, tell me a little bit about some of your cessationist friends or Baptist friends or whatever, their reaction. And then tell me a little bit about the whole thing that happened with the burning, you guys burning occult items and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting that 
we've been in the media for so many debacles, right, and political things and and things that have, people have left the church or, you know, CNN's been to our church like eight times in the last two years. I tell people we ought to get married. We've been dating so long, right? Wow. And so we've, we've had all of this media fiascos. But here's what people don't want to understand. There is a price to pay yes. when you carry the burden of a movement of God, right? Because this is a move of God. There is no doubt about that. This is the revival that the church has been waiting on for mm. decades. Absolutely. And so what happened was if you take five of the biggest controversies I've ever been in, five of them don't even compare to the controversy of what happened when I walked into deliverance ministry. I lost more meetings walking into deliverance ministry than I ever did for anything else that we've ever been through. And we've had some debacles, right? Ministerially, personally, the whole deal. I lost more meetings and more friends through deliverance. Now, interestingly enough, we probably in the grand scheme of things, we, we probably maybe, maybe reached 100 people that we lost in the church incrementally over the last year. But thousands have shown up, mm. thousands. Ten people leave and 100 people show up to see why they left. And so people are hungry. The problem is you take the guy in Mark chapter 1, that wasn't the first day he was sitting in the synagogue. That guy had Come on, say comfortably it. sat under under solid mosaic teaching for a long time. But the average pastor in America does not walk in enough authority to make a demon get to a place where it's willing to reveal itself. But when authority walked in that room and started quoting the word of God, the authority from Jesus that he's given us, that demon couldn't help but manifest itself. And so I get these preachers all the time. Well, my goodness, you and Isaiah and Vlad, y'all talk to demons. And I'm like, look, I'm sorry. You don't have enough anointing to make a demon <laughs> talk on. back to you, right? <laughs> but if you got the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you get them under the influence of the name of Jesus, they're going to talk back, right? They're going to come out. And so people have these hokey pokey ideas about what deliverance isn't, but I know what it is. It's freedom. Mm, it is absolute on. unbelievable freedom. And it's the greatest growth and it's the purest growth that we've ever come had on. in our church. So people have been mad. The witches have come against us. You know, we can't believe that you threw out witches. And I'm like, well, well I'm sorry. The average church would have made them deacons and Sunday school teachers, come but on. I'm throwing witches out, right? I'm not messing with warlocks, right? I'm not fooling with Harry Potter in my house and hocus pocus and all this. And so people can say we've lost our mind, but this is the ministry of Jesus, mm. okay? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And in Acts 19, after a deliverance revival broke out, they burned their stuff. Come on. And they counted the price, and the price was 50,000 pieces of silver. And I told our church at Global Vision, the reason the Holy Spirit told me how much it cost and how much it was worth is because he wanted me to understand when it comes to witchcraft, there is no price too high to pay to burn that mess straight to the ground so that you can make sure your family is not under a curse. And the average church in America is under a curse. Yep. There are yeah. more demons in pulpits than there are beer joints and strip clubs, I Come guarantee on. you. Come on. 100%. And so we can't put it back in the box. We can't go back. I wouldn't go back if I could. I don't want to mm. go back because we are watching today, this moment, in our office today, before I got on this stream, dealing with people, praying for people, watching the captives be set free. And so mm. the problem with these pastors is it's like doctors. There's money in sickness. Right. Mm. And a lot of these pastors don't want their people free because there's money in counseling. There's money in Come keeping on. the people. I don't want to keep people sick. I don't want to keep people in. Infer- I definitely don't want to keep them in fear and torment and addiction. I want them free because Jesus wants them free. 
And there is nothing that Jesus did more than cast out evil spirits. And for years, all I said was, well, you know, he gave that power to the apostles. And when the last apostle died, the power died with him. Okay, that dog only hunts if you don't read a Bible. Right? Come on. Because you, there's yeah. a lot of people that were non-apostolic in the book of Acts that performed a lot of miracles, including deliverance ministry. And all of these, you know, Calvinists and hyper-Calvinists, and I don't know why they use that term. I've never met one hyper about anything but judgmentalism. But at the end of the day, you know, they're like, well, you know, these things just don't happen. Do you realize that most of the people they quote believed in what we believe in, yeah. right? Come Martin on. Luther believed in it. Spurgeon believed in it. Moody believed in it. Finney, Whitfield. All of these people believed in the fact that demons still come out through the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. And so I'm not going back. I don't care what it does to my persona, to my personality. I don't care what the news media says, and I sure do not care what the religious world says mm. because I I sleep well at night knowing that they say the same thing about us and what we're doing as they did about Jesus. What new Come doctrine on. is this? Come on. Because two things happen every time you see deliverance. Demons still respond the same way today that they did in the day of Jesus. Come on. And people still respond to demons coming out the same way they did in the day of Jesus. So nothing's wow. changed. And if you look at Acts 19, the, that revival started from a failed deliverance. The men were trying <laughs> to do deliverance and the people were so in awe and so in fear of what happened. Revival breaks out. All these witches and people are burning their witchcraft books. Yep. If you look at Acts chapter 8, the pastors always say, oh, you know, what? if people cast out demons, people are going to be scared. What are the new people going to think? What are the unbelievers? And Acts 8 tells us what the people are going to think. It says, and demons were cast out and there was great joy in that city. Yes. There's great joy when deliverance happens. There's great revival when deliverance happens. And we're so afraid of anything, you know, uh, scaring away the new people. And so in my mind, are we letting unbelievers run our churches? Or are we letting the Holy Spirit? Because mm. if you're yeah. telling me you're not going to speak in tongues, you're not going to cast out demons, you're not going to heal the sick, because what are the unbelievers going to think? Then you're allowing unbelievers to tell you how to run church. You're yes. allowing unbelievers to tell you that the altar calls are too long, that the music's too loud, that the preaching's too intense. We don't want to confront people. We've just made this fake fabricated plastic mm. Jesus that yep. doesn't heal the sick, doesn't cast out demons, doesn't raise the dead. It's another Jesus that people worship. And Paul said, you happily put up with it. It's like, <laughs> you're, you're fine. You go to church. Oh, I'm happy about it. And the moment God begins to confront our idols, the first people that are mad are the pastors. Yes. I'm like, I don't even get no flack from church people or the world. The only flack I get is from other pastors that yes. have a YouTube channel with 94 subscribers that are like, this guy's false because <laughs> exactly. he believes in deliverance. And I'm thinking in my mind, the words of Jesus were this, the world hates me. That's what he told the disciples. The world hates me because I testified that its works are evil. That, mm. wait, what? Jesus said, the world hates me. Here's why, not because I'm having services, not because we're having revival, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm speaking out that its works are evil. I'm declaring the works, the transgender movement that's grooming our kids, I'm speaking mm -hmm. out, it's evil. I mean, you could hate yeah. me, you could call me Absolutely. a bigot, you could call me, I'm preaching on deliverance, I'm calling out occult, the new age. I was on the witch talk hashtag on the top trending for like a week one time from posting a, a deliverance video and all the witches and warlocks on TikTok, we're gonna cast spells on you, we're gonna do this, we're gonna send lemon pepper chicken to your house. I'm like, just make sure you send it with ranch. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we're gonna do this and do that. And they're so mad, why? because I'm testifying that their works are evil. Yep. If you're a leader or pastor or even a Christian and no one's mad at you, 
There's no friction mm. in your life. Jesus said, woe unto you when everybody speaks well about you. Like when you're one of these people that everybody has something nice to say about, we all want to be that. But I question yep. whether you're calling anything out if that's the way that you are. Because Absolutely. when you start calling out demons, when you start calling out sin, when you start calling out compromise, the devil does reveal himself. Demons do manifest. This is one way, you know, in deliverance, for those of you wondering, we get demons to manifest. We call them out. I have pastors all the time. Well, how come we never see deliverance? Have you ever called out a demon once? Have you ever called out a spirit? Have you ever told a spirit to leave? Have you ever commanded a spirit? No, I've never done those things. Well, do you think the devil's just going to reveal himself in your watered-down, lukewarm preaching? You think one day you're going to be preaching your three points in a poem you downloaded last night off sermoncentral.com or you mm. got from a friend and you spent five minutes in prayer and you get up there and read off notes. You never even look up. You're just reading directly off of notes that aren't even yours. You think that's going to make a demon manifest? You think Double. that's going to bring healing or revival or breakthrough to anybody? We come in the same one way. We leave the same way. I mean... I mean, like demons are more comfortable in the church than the Holy Ghost. Yep, we have all these on. people that are sitting in our church in bondage. And it's like, man, when is, and this is to all those watching, when is your heart going to break? When are you mm. going to start being bored of this dry, stale, dead Christianity where nobody gets free around you? There's nothing supernaturally. And, and we preach, we have the supernatural God living in us. We have Jesus in us. And I'm going like, for what? We don't mm. take so what does Jesus drive you to church on Sunday and you could warm a chair for an hour, give him 1% of your life. And then we go home and we live just like the devil all week with no power. So man, I, we need this so badly in the church. We need this in pastors and leaders. Let's go a little bit into, we know we need deliverance. We know we need revival. We know we need to be burning these occult items. We need to be, you guys just did one, right? This was it last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, you did another Halloween. burning. Yeah, yeah another another burning. Everybody freaks out. Oh no, they're burning, and and Christians are mad. They're burning yeah. uh, Harry Potter. They're burning what <laughs> witchcraft? It's like yeah. we're we're you're mad that we're burning it, and you're over here watching it, loving it. And this this is the what it comes down to in my mind is people pastors leaders are not spiritual this entire debate of halloween whether we should the fact that we're still debating whether we should be celebrating a pagan occult demonic new age witchcraft holiday and you're a leader and a pastor it shows you are not spiritual because if yeah. you sit in some of our deliverances and you watch these spirits speak out of people that have come in through occult practices dude i don't i don't know one ex-witch that celebrated halloween I don't know why. Oh, absolutely. I don't. I don't know one ex New Ager that says yoga is not a big deal. I don't know why. I know a lot of them, and not one of them will say yoga is not a big deal. Not one ex Satanist will say, "Oh yeah, Halloween's fine. Let's celebrate it." Why? Because they understand something the church doesn't. That is the spiritual realm is yes. real. So we're not going to dabble. And you, well, well, the devil wouldn't come in me from celebrating. Really? They're, you think <laughs> the devil's playing fair? You think the devil's like, hey, you know, they're just they didn't really mean to. They didn't really mean to dress like Leviathan. You know, it's no big deal. It just dressed up their kid. The devil will use any opportunity to enter in our lives. And it just blows my mind that we're in 2022 and the church is still mad that we're burning occult items. The yeah. church is still mad that we're casting out demons. The church is still fighting against. And if you and it, you are fighting against this, you are one of those pastors, leaders, you're fighting against the ministry of Jesus. You're fighting against mm. the word of God, because at the end of the day, you we have something you don't have that we can stand on. That is the word of God that tells us mm. in Mark 16, very clear, these signs shall follow them that believe so let's just be honest tonight as people as christians as leaders let's be honest the reason why you're not seeing deliverance in your church is because you don't believe let's just be honest no. you're not a believer don't say you no. are well i'm a believer then is there miracles following you is there delivered mm. now again they get mad at me here they're gonna come in the comments wait what do you mean i'm just telling you what mark 16 says 
These signs shall follow them that believe. This is part of the supernatural Christian life that we do these works. How could we be supernatural and get around people and not lay hands and pray for them and not see them get delivered? So it changes everything. What do you think? So we know mm. we're supposed to do it. Every believer, not just some. What are some of the that you've seen? You know, you've been at this a year. I know a lot of people have come against you. A lot of people have said things like you said, you're taking mm. way more heat. Yeah. You're taking way more heat casting out demons than you did tra <laughs> traveling with Donald Trump. I mean, let's yeah. just think about that really quick. You're taking more pushback from doing what Jesus did than traveling with Donald Trump, which we all know the whole world freaks out when you even say his name. Yeah. So what are some of the things you think that are holding back believers, pastors, churches from doing the ministry of deliverance? Some of the things we know you talked about earlier that held you back. Uh, what, are, what are some of these things that are stopping deliverance from happening, do you think? I think so much of it is the fear of man brings a snare, mm. you know, because I tell our folks all the time, look, I'm called to feed the sheep, not slop the hogs. And we mm. got far too many pastors that want to entertain the goats and slop the hogs and have a good production, a little puppet program and, you know, walk an aisle, sign a card, pray a prayer type of a situation. And they don't want to be confrontational and preach the truth of repentance. But when they do, demons are going to manifest automatically. That's just all there is to it. They don't want the uncomfortable situation. That's where I was. You know, big church, everything was going well, you know, but I didn't want the lack of dignity. And so like like Derek Prince would say, leave your dignity at the door. If you're here for mm. dignity, you're in the wrong place. You need to be here for deliverance. And so I, I think we have elevated, you know, fancy buildings and cute carpet in exchange for we don't want people throwing up. We don't want people screaming out. Jesus expected it and never shut it down. You know, it's not like he said, oh, shut the live stream off. Take that dude in the back room. You know, we don't Come want anybody on. to see this. No, he used it as a bridge to preach an understanding that the kingdom of invisibility needs to be brought out in the open so two kingdoms can collide and you can see that Jesus will openly triumph over them. I can see why you get so preachy on this show, bro, because I'm about to, I'm telling you, I'm getting come excited on. because I'm telling you, there's nothing that has changed me more than the reality of knowing that I have authority in the name of Jesus to cast evil spirits out of people that have been oppressed for years. I think another reason is people don't understand curses. People don't understand just because you're born again. That doesn't mean that you still cannot be under a generational curse. Come on. Show me the verse in the Bible that says all of the demons left your flesh Come on. whenever you got born again. It's just not there. And for years, I would say the same thing. Well, you know, the Bible says that fellowship uh, fellowship cannot be between righteousness and unrighteousness. No, in that context, he's not saying that it can't happen. He's telling us that because it was happening, yes. it should not be the normal thing in the church. We should separate from the world. We should come out from among them and be separate. Paul even said, he had demonic influence in his flesh, manipulating his flesh, his eyesight, a spirit of infirmity. Look, Paul wrote 14 books of the Bible. If that cat said he had a demon, then who in the wild world are we to say that a Christian cannot be under a demonic influence? Mm. And you're probably like me. I get so sick of, is it possession, affliction, oppression? Like, who I don't cares? Care. Let's it's get it demon. out. Get rid of Let's it, okay? <laughs> the people are in torment, and I want to get rid of that fear and that torment. And so I think more people are concerned about what others are going to say about them. They're worried about the cancel culture because the yes. church is the yes. worst about the cancel culture. But yep. here's what I told our church this past weekend. The only cancel culture I care anything about is depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's the only wow. one I care about. Wow. That's the only one I care about. Rest of them, I don't care what they think about me. And that's obvious when you Google me. <laughs> mm. 
And we need that. We need boldness. You literally can't do deliverance if you're scared, if you're timid, if you're not bold, if you're not willing. Deliverance ministry is a confrontational ministry. It's the ministry Mm. of interference. The demons go, Jesus, why have you come to interfere with us before the time? So when Mm. we're interfering with the demons, I mean, we're going to get some people mad. We're going to get people upset. Your reputation is not going to be pretty and polished, but that's part of doing deliverance. If you look at like you look at some people that say, maybe we shouldn't be doing deliverance or shouldn't do it so much. Well, Jesus actually answered this exact scenario when the disciples came and said, hey, there's these guys, and I'm paraphrasing, okay, for all the heresy hunters, let me make sure I say that. <laughs> they go, hey, there's these guys out here. They didn't go to your classes. They didn't, they're not yeah. a part of your cha- your YouTube channel. They don't know about what we teach. They're not doing it right. They're casting out demons out there in your name. And should we stop them? And then Jesus says, do not stop them. Nobody mm. that does miracles in my name will speak bad about me. So the answer is, don't stop them. If somebody Amen. is out casting out demons, you are partnering with darkness if you're trying to stop them from casting out demons. Why? Because deliverance is a miracle. And when you're doing things in the name of Jesus, you're not going to speak bad about Jesus. This is one thing I've seen. When you have all of these, how do I say this nicely? These guys that call out this every week, there's a new false prophet they're calling out every day. Meanwhile, they're doing nothing for God. They're sitting around yep. literally doing nothing for God. Everybody's false. Everybody's wrong. Every one of those guys, none of them cast out demons. Because if you cast out demons, you know, I will never speak bad about this. I will never speak Mm. bad about Jesus. I will never speak bad about miracles. When you lay hands on the sick, I I wouldn't dare talk bad about God moving and miracles and deliverance. And when you're bad-mouthing people that are emphasizing on this and saying, we shouldn't be doing this with Christians or with this, you're literally coming and saying, we, we should stop these people from doing it. And Jesus says, yeah. don't stop anybody. Maybe you're watching this and you're brand new. You're like, well, I don't really know. Just go out and do it. Just yeah. go out and do it. Go do the work. There's no, there's no reason why you shouldn't be doing this. Every single now, yes. and especially now, right? We're at a time where there's so much content. There's so many videos. There's so many books. There's so much teaching. Right now, deliverance is more in the spotlight than ever before because of people like you, people like me, people like Vlad and Pagani and Mike and Daniel. All these guys now we're highlighting, we're pushing, we're pressing because we know, one, the Holy Spirit's mm. telling us to, but two, we see the great need. We're literally having to carry the weight of thousands of churches that that mentor demons, that give medication to demons, that Mm -hmm. counsel demons. Like, I'm just going to counsel you. We don't counsel demons. We cast them out. We don't medicate demons. We cast them out. So we're carrying the weight of that. What is your thoughts on, I've already went extensively on this one topic, but I want to touch it. What are your thoughts on people that say, well, brother, deliverance, Christians can't have demons. And and there's people (laughs) watching now, there's 4,000 on here. A lot of them, I get it, you're new. If you're new, we're going to give you grace. If you're not new, then you should know that this is a lie from the pit of hell. Let's just let's mm. just be honest and say what it is. The only oh, I'm gonna go there. The only yeah. person that wants to teach Christians can't have demons is the devil. Because do you think God is up there going, well, no, you can't get delivered. That's not for you. Mark seven. The Bible makes it explicitly clear that deliverance is the children's bread. So we already yes. know Jesus's opinion on it. He already said, this is for my children. This is for believers. But what do you, what is like your quick response to people that come to you? Cause you've had probably hundreds say this, pastor yes. friends say this, Christians can't have demons. Locke, what are you doing? You can't be casting <laughs> demons out of Christians. What is your response to that? Yeah. The first thing I normally say when they get mad and say, Christians can't have demons. I said, there's your demons talking right there. Mm. That's your demon talking right there. Yeah. Right. You just manifested before my very eyes, because I'm telling <laughs> you in the last days, the Bible is plain that people of faith, not people of the culture, people of faith shall give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. They are going to give heed. They are going to be overcome. The Bible says we are taken captive by the devil, by by his own will. He takes us captive. You look at the armor of God. 
it's interesting. I wrote a best-selling book on the armor of God before I even knew what the armor of come God on, was. Come on, come on. Are you kidding me? It was always the same hodgepodge, baptistic way. The armor of God is to be put on not to protect you from the flesh, not to protect you from the world. Come on. The Bible says to protect you from the wiles, from the trickery, from the deception of the enemy. So to say that Christians cannot be under the influence of demonic oppression and evil spirit is to deny the reality of the clear teachings of Scripture because they always say, well, show me the verse in the Bible where it says a Christian can have a demon. Well, it's right after the verse that tells me that a Christian can't have a demon, okay? I'm here to tell Come you, on. a Christian can have a demonic oppressive spirit. I mean, think about this. God's not given us, believers, the spirit of fear. Well, if spirit is a demon and he's talking to the church, he's clearly saying some of you have it, I just didn't give it to you. Yes, I've given yes. you the corresponding spirit, right? Sound mind, peace, joy, love, because we know in Hebrews chapter one, the reason we have to try the spirits is because there are godly ones and ungodly ones, and God sent forth his angels to be ministering spirits to those who are the heirs of righteousness. And so people need to understand the spiritual realm is more real than this YouTube, Facebook broadcast Come that we're on. on right this second. And people want to deny it. Yes, Christians can have demons. So here's what I tell these pastors. I, I tell them, it sounds abrasive, but it's the truth. I tell them, I pray this Sunday, somebody manifests in your church a full-blown demon while you're preaching and you don't know what to do. And the Holy Ghost so embarrasses you that you start digging in the scriptures and start Come being on. a Bible preacher. Right. Instead of just being backed in a corner by your bossy deacon board and actually come out and say, look, this is what the Bible says out in the name of Jesus. Come and on. so it is a shame that this is the number one argument that people want to have, which shows you that we're on the right track. We're doing what the Bible clearly teaches. Absolutely clearly teaches. So good. And I and I think the sad part is when you have Christians in the church who are demonized. So you have a lady yes. that says, I'm hearing a voice. It's telling me to take my life. It's it's no doubt that this lady has a demon. She's been faithful. She's been coming to church yep. for years. She prays in the spirit. She gives. She's a, a woman of God. We know she loves God. Here's the sad reality of the American church in 2022. She goes to her pastor and instead of her mm. pastor being the man of God and say, we're going to cast that thing out of you, this is what her pastor says. Because he doesn't believe. Remember, he doesn't right. believe Christians could have demons. Most pastors don't. 95 plus, and I'm being nice tonight, 95 yeah. plus percent of them don't believe this. She comes up and says, pastor, I'm hearing a voice telling me to take my life. I'm having all these nightmares, terrors. I'm getting attacked. All the symptoms you could think of. She has every single one. And the pastor, because he doesn't believe Christians could have demons, Instead of putting the devil on the stand and accusing the devil and casting him out and putting him, he's the problem. Here's what the pastor says. Well, you know, Christians can't have demons. Maybe you're not a true Christian. Maybe mm. you're not a true believer. Because this is, let me say, if, you, if you're in the chat right now, I'm trying not to get too worked up, and you believe Christians can't have demons. You do not believe what we're saying. You're like, well, Christians can't have demons. Then you're telling me the thousands of pastors, leaders, and Christians that we have personally done deliverance on, none of them were Christian. You're mm. telling me the lady that came to me and said, my husband, who's a senior pastor, for the last 30 plus years, every time he preaches, I hear cuss words and blasphemy, a voice in my head. She's a senior pastor's wife. And for 30 years, no one knows this. I've been hearing voices. And it wasn't until I heard you teach on this, I realized that I have a demon. And right there in front of her husband, we cast a demon out of her. You're telling me because you don't believe Christians could have demons. So you're telling me she's not a Christian. So it's so beyond arrogant to say Christians can't yes. have demons because now you're putting people's salvation at question. Because if they have a demon, they need help, which is a majority of the church. They must not be a Christian. 
That's mm. your conclusion? Your conclusion <laughs> isn't, hold on, let me do what Jesus did in Mark 1 and whoop this devil up real quick and make, make a mockery out of him and make him a public spectacle. Your conclusion is, well, Christians can't have demons, so you must not be a Christian. And that is, mm. to me, so incredibly arrogant to try to tell somebody yes. what they can and cannot have. That's like telling a Christian, well, you know, you're not allowed to have a sickness. Christians can't be sick. You're not allowed to have cancer. You're not allowed to have diabetes. You're not allowed to have scoliosis because you're a Christian. How are you going to tell me what I can and can't have? Am I not allowed to drive a Honda Civic either? Like Christians <laughs> can have, this is what Don Dickerman says. Christians could have whatever they want. If they want mm. a donut, they can have a donut. If they want to go to Jack in the Box, they can, how are you going to tell somebody what they can't have? This mystical deception, which, you know, I've backed off from, because I always think everybody knows, but you know what? I'm going to start going harder on this. Christians can't have a demons because not yep. everybody does know. And we need to let people know yes. that it is possible and deliverance is the children's bread. But man, we have just this false doctrine of now that I'm a Christian, every spirit leaves me from my past. Where's that <laughs> in the Bible? Jesus yeah. didn't say that. If that was the case, Jesus would have never cast out demons. He would have just got people saved. Or what about mm. in Acts 8? Philip would have never cast out demons. Philip, what are you doing? Just get them saved <laughs> and move on. Because once yeah. they become a Christian, all the demons leave them. Yet we don't see that anywhere in scripture. And that's why all these guys that are so mad at us, they can't produce one Bible verse. And we could give them Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. In yep. Acts 4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 5, they were filled with the devil. And you might say, well, they weren't real Christians. And my response to you is, name one unbeliever that sells all their property and gives half the money to the church. Name, <laughs> yeah. one, name one unbeliever that yeah. gives up all their stuff and gives part of it to the church. It's never happened in history and it never will happen. So this whole idea of Ananias and Sapphira, they weren't real Christians. Judas wasn't a real. What about Peter? Satan entered Peter. Was Peter not a real Christian either? Was all the people that Jesus delivered? Well, they weren't real believers. The lady said, Jesus, help me. I believe in you. In Mark 7, mm. Jesus said, you don't qualify. And then Jesus said, because of your faith, your daughter has been delivered. Well, her daughter, you know, she, was, uh, she wasn't a believer. The son. How do we know these things? How do we yeah. know? Even the man at the tombs, he ran up to Jesus, got on his knees and worshiped. And you're telling me he didn't believe? You're telling me that he didn't want it? The man in Mark 1, in the synagogue. So he wasn't a believer though, even though he was in the synagogue. See, we have all of these false pictures of Christians yes. can't have demons, although the Bible gives way more evidence that Christians can have demons than, they, than that they can't have demons. And again, mm. it goes back to what you said. It's all word semantics. Yes. I don't even, I, I, and I have friends that are going to be like, eh, and disagree. It's okay. I'll still be your friend. I don't yeah. even like getting into oppression, possession, all these terms that are not even biblical. It's just demonized. Yes. Do you have a demon? If you have a demon, you yep. know, I had one guy recently, he's like, Hey, you know, I love it, but I, you know, we just call demons off of people. Show me that in the Bible. Yeah. And Jesus never said, come off of them. He said, come out of them. Yeah, so amen. demons don't live on people. Demons live in people. And whether you're yep. Christian or not, that doesn't change the fact that you can have a demon. It's like, imagine yep. you're a Christian right now. And then tonight you decide, even though you're still a Christian, you're like, I'm going to go play Ouija board. You go play the Ouija board, which is an easy way to get a demon. If you're wondering, how do I get a demon easy? Go try to play the Ouija board. And a demon, you play the Ouija board and you're sitting there playing the Ouija board saying, well, no demon could enter me because I'm a Christian. What is that? Yeah. When has God ever mm. protected you in disobedience? When has God ever said, it's okay to be do yoga and do new age and the law of attraction and the Ouija board and angel cards and all? Because you're a Christian, so you can't have any demons. It's just mm. so foolish to say. Yes. 
Christians can't have demons when deliverance is the children's bread. Are there any, any other hindrances, roadblocks you think that Christians have or lies that you've heard about deliverance since you've dealt with it, misconceptions that have stopped people that you can think of from doing deliverance? Well, I think a lot of people are just super ignorant of it. And so they yes. automatically think it's going to be flamboyant. It's all Hollywood. It's all fake. And, you know, these people really can't be manifesting a demon. How much are you paying them? You know, they're just emotionally driven, but it's not. I'm telling you, people are not going to undignify themselves like that in come a on, church full of people. I mean, think about these, these precious ladies that show up, right? They spent three hours getting ready for church. You really think they're going to scream and snot all over the place in front of mm. everybody. They cannot help themselves. It just happens. And so people have this horrible misconception. And then here's what we always hear. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit lives in us and we're the temple of God and no demon is ever going to be able to invade the temple of God. Yep. Well, first of all, that's not what that context is about at all. Secondarily, it's interesting to me that we believe we have a flesh and the works of the flesh are witchcraft, adultery, yep. fornication, wickedness, pornography, murder, all of the, you're going to tell me that the Holy Spirit can live in my temple when my flesh is that wicked but a demon can't live in that wicked flesh wow. and, and manipulate my flesh. Look, we cast out demons, but we crucify the flesh. And if mm. you've done everything, if you've reckoned yourself dead, if you've submitted to God and you've done everything that you can to literally crucify your flesh according to the, the dictates of the word of God, but you still have no victory, something's manipulating your flesh. And Paul said, in my flesh dwells no good thing. Well, something mm. dwells there. And you better figure out what it is because you don't need another pill, okay? You need to obey the gospel. And the gospel is when you get born again, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. And I'm telling you, a lack of deliverance is 100% disobedience in the American church. So good. Talk to me about, this is break groundbreaking. This has never happened before. Deliverance documentary. And this is why, <laughs> listen, I'm so excited that a guy like you is on our side doing deliverance. We need so many people doing deliverance Amen. on our side because you're going out doing it. You're going out making movies. You're going out preaching about it. You're writing books about it. I, we need all of these leaders and pastors to yes. shout from the rooftop. Deliverance is now. Deliverance is the children's bread. Tell us a little bit about about the movie, how the movie got into being made, and then what's going to be happening with the theaters. And then I'll play the trailer after you talk yep. about it, and we'll kind of show them. Absolutely. We uh, we started just to do like a short documentary just for us for the conference because it came together so quickly and it was just so, so big. And so I said, let's just do a little documentary. We had so much footage. And then you guys started coming in and sitting in the chairs and the, the testimonies were just so unbelievable. So I went to our team at Lock Media and I was like, look, you think we could make this so super professional? And they said, oh, absolutely. So our, our band started writing the score and all of that. And I said, do you think we could get this in theaters? We prayed, we fasted. Our team went to Fathom Events, talked to them, pitched them the idea, showed them the trailer that we're about to show. And they're like, we love the idea. And at that time, they said, we could probably get you in 500 theaters nationwide. Well, I'm like, Whoo, whoopee, you know, yeah, a little hillbilly from Nashville. And then all of a sudden they came back and they said, well, we're going to get you in 2,000 theaters nationwide. And I thought wow, that is unbelievable. They said, we like the size of your platform, but then getting all of you guys involved, all of a sudden it multiplied the platforms, you know, a hundredfold. And they said, man, this thing's going to sell itself. And so it looked like it was going to be January 17th. We pushed it a little bit. I think it's uh, March 12th, somewhere right there in the beginning, the middle of March. And we are literally going to be in 2000 theaters nationwide, a movie called Come, Come Out in Jesus' Name, 90 minutes long. Me, you, Vlad, Daniel, uh, Leon Dupree's, others in it. It's unbelievable to hear the testimonies. And there are full-blown deliverances happening on the big screen. And then on. once it fades to black, 
Fathom asked if they can pipe us in live to 2,000 theaters all over America to what they say, continue the conversation. Well, we know Come what that on. means. That's Up and out. deliverance right Up there. Up and out. <laughs> I just can't wait till all the movie theater workers are in there going, getting ready to clean up, and people are throwing up and screaming. Yeah. They're going to be like... <laughs> Throwing popcorn state, everywhere. Yeah, the police are going to be there. What is going on? Say, hey, just relax. We're doing mass deliverance. But this is honestly groundbreaking historical because it's never happened before. Guys, imagine though 2,000 theaters, mass deliverance happening. And 2,000 secular theaters, mass deliverance happening. Well, the next room over, the devil's entering people. The next mm. theater over, we're casting demons out of people on the on Come the on. big screen. And so what we want to do, which we'll do another live before we'll promote it more when it's closer and do all that. But we want to blast this so hard, get all of you behind it, get families there, churches yes. there. I'm going to reach out to literally every pastor I know when we find out the exact day. Get all the churches in these theaters, pack them out. Get yes. this to go viral. Get this to go mainstream. We want to see deliverance for people. If one person gets delivered through this, and I'm not mm. even the one that's making it, okay, but I'm pretending I am. I'm just a, <laughs> I'm part of the team now. If yeah, one yeah. person gets delivered, it's completely worth it. So I'm going to go ahead and play the trailer, and then we'll come back with you guys in a minute here. But watch this trailer. It's absolutely amazing. Here we go. A spirit is nothing more than a person without a body, so they have to have a body to inhabit. You know, and they come from somewhere that you can't see. The spirit world is real, more real than people can imagine. They have to have a flesh to fulfill their perverted, wicked, nefarious perversities of life. Everybody is looking for their spiritual guide. Everybody is trying to connect with the spiritual realm. While at the same time, the church simply says miracles don't exist. Angels don't exist. Demons don't exist. My friends, something is wrong. The number one demon that needs to be cast out of the church is the demon of religion. You're sleeping with somebody outside of marriage. You're lusting, you're watching porn, you're beating your wife when nobody's looking. You come to church looking all great and stuff, walking around, but you were just out there yelling at your wife, calling her a B word and all that stuff. And some of you, no offense, but you're in here now and you ain't manifested yet because you refuse to repent and lose your dignity. Raising up ministries that's gonna kick the door in and tell the devil, let my people go. You see, redemption and salvation is for the lost. Deliverance is to set the captives free. Deliverance is for the people of God. Deliverance is for the church. You know why we get to cast out devils in the name of Jesus? Because he said, they shall cast out devils in my name. I'm here to call this culture to Jesus Christ and cast out demons. Because these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. Wow, what a trailer. Everybody's saying goosebumps and fire emojis. You guys are breaking the chat here. That is coming hopefully in March. We'll let you yes. guys know the day to theaters, secular theaters. These are not churches <laughs> that are going to be playing this. Deliverance is the children's bread. And the movie's called Come Out in Jesus' Name. Is that correct? Is that the official yes. name? Mm -hmm. Yep. Awesome. Come out in Jesus' name. I cannot wait to see this in theaters <laughs> and to be a part of this. It's going to be absolutely amazing what God is doing there. Okay, let me ask you this last thing, and then we're going to pray deliverance over every single person watching. What are some things, misconceptions people have about Greg Locke? As you said, you've been in the media for this, been in the media for that. 
listen, I've seen all the different things and all. And when I met you, I was like, this guy is nothing like what anything I've ever read, anything I've ever seen. Again, I was tremendously touched by what you shared tonight and what you shared before Vlad spoke, which is some of these stories here. But what are some things, I guess, for people that maybe just don't know you or maybe they've read things about you or said things about you that maybe people don't know um, about Greg Locke? You know, we could do an entire broadcast on that. But I mean, a lot of people think I'm just this colossal jerk for Jesus. Now, I'm very demonstrative, right? I tell people when I'm on the platform, I have no friends, right? I'm going to preach what the gospel says, no matter who's hide it chaps. But when people come, even like CNN and MSNBC, when they show up at our church, they're like, man, we have a really hard time not liking you, you know, because I, I really do try to walk in humility and grace of the Lord, but I'm just a very demonstrative personality. The number one thing I hate about the media and what Google says and all of that is they try to convince people for some odd reason that I'm worth $129 million, Come which on. number one, that would mean I'm worth like more than three of the top paid Hollywood actors or any of these crazy prosperity preachers all combined. I literally drive a 2012 truck that's jacked up. I love it. We live in a modular home. Uh, I have a, a modest savings account. We give most of our money away. Our church gives 80% you guys are tremendous of everything. Givers. Yeah, we, we love to give. And so I'm like, I'm not worth that kind of money. It's ridiculous. And it really turns a lot of people away from our meetings yeah. as well as our church because they think, oh, this is this prosperity preacher. I scale the prosperity message. I come against the prosperity nonsense all the time. And so I hate the fact that that's out there. And uh, we actually have a, a PR firm of all the things that they could clean up. I don't want them to clean up anything, but that I want people to know, mm. no, I'm not one of these money grubbing individuals. I want to give, I want to be known. You are a tremendous extreme giver. Cause I heard, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to put you out and start saying stuff. Cause maybe you haven't made some of it public, but I no, heard fine. some of the stuff you were giving away and the amount of money, even like with Daniel's conference, right? Yeah. Uh, did you, are you, am I allowed to say that publicly? Yeah, what absolutely. you did with that? Yeah. So he goes, Hey, I think it was what? $50,000 we're going yeah. to spend and pay to bring people from our church. And you could correct me if I'm wrong to Daniel's event. And I told all, all the guys that are part of the event, who does that? What right. pastor do you know that <laughs> said, oh, I'm going to give $50,000 to help people that can't afford it to go to this event. So it's about, it's putting money where your mouth is. And when I was at your church, I was at the hotel and the lady said, oh, where are you, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm going to preach at Global Vision Bible Church, blah, blah, blah. She said, oh, is that, is that Greg Locke? I said, yeah. She said, you know, that man, that poor, that poor man, the media, and she started saying all the stuff. She said, and people say bad things and they come. And she said, but you know what? I have seen thousands of people. This is what, this is a lady that doesn't yeah. even know you. She just works at the hotel. She said, yeah. I've seen thousands of people come through this hotel that have told me he's paid for this. He's paid for the room. He paid to get him here. He's given this. She's like, that man is the biggest giver. I don't care what. And this again, this is wow. a secular lady. I don't believe she was a Christian. <laughs> she said, that man has given away more money than all of these pastors out here. She just started just defending you. And she's like, I don't know why. <laughs> you know, there's so much there's so much fake news about him, so much this. And so, man, I, I love that because I think people man. don't see that online. And I'm worth, I think, only $3 million online or $6 million. And I'm like, I think I'm 39 years old and I live in Texas. So I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I don't know what's going on over here. But sadly, <laughs> most people get their information from Google. Most yeah. people, and this spoiler alert here, most of what you read that you find on Google is not true. So you guys Googling yeah. stuff up, finding stuff, do your own research, hear Amen. it from the actual person. Man, tonight has been so, so incredible. Pastor Greg, I know we'll do a different broadcast, a different topic Absolutely. another night, but tonight let's pray. I know there's 4,000 mm -hmm. people on here right now. There's people broken. There's people hurting. Would you just pray a prayer of mass deliverance over all those yes. watching? And we'll just pray, Lord, send them out to do the work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. 
Father, we come to you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you that there is still power and life and authority in that name. Lord, I come against, even through this broadcast right now, I come against every spirit of doubt, all spirit of fear. Lord, every manipulating spirit that would try this very moment to hinder someone's freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we stand against all of it. Lord, we come against every spirit of witchcraft, every spirit of the occult. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we call it for what it is. And you must come up and out. You must leave them. Every suicidal thought, every suicidal curse and tendency, right now we break your power. We break your bond through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must come up and out. Fear has torment, but perfect love casts out fear. And fear, we cast you out right now in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of heaviness, Isaiah 61, 3, we put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. All of that oppression, Father, all of that depression right now, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over yes. this very moment for every man, every woman, every young person hearing this or will hear and watch this later. May they know there is a God in heaven that loves them deeply, and they do not have to remain in oppression. They do not have to remain in addiction. Spirit of Pharmacia, you are broken right now come in on. the name of Jesus. You must come all the way up and all the way out, and you must leave these people now. We command it. We're not praying you you out. We're not compromising with you. We are commanding you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. The God of Israel testifies against you. The blood of Jesus testifies against you. You must come out. Every spirit of grief, every spirit causing lust and pornography, every spirit of divorce, every spirit of flirtation in the workplace that would cause a man or a woman to turn their heart and their mind from their spouse right now up and out. We bind you and we break you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Father, right now, we come against every spirit of religion, every denominational spirit, every hindering spirit, every demonic doctrine that would cause people to doubt the validity of the ministry of Jesus. We speak life into their mind right now. Lord, we release a sound mind. We come against all fear right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, right now, would you flood every person watching this with an absolute love of your presence? Could they know right now that there is a spirit of adoption being released over them? All that rejection, all that abandonment from their childhood, all that PTSD up and out in the name of the Lord Jesus, all that molestation. We break the curse of incest and rape over their life right now. We speak purity and we speak wholeness over them. And we thank you. We thank you that there is still power in the name of Jesus. We stand on it. We believe it and we receive it. And right now, Father, I pray that before they pillow their head, every bit of insomnia, all of them spirit spouses, all of that will be broken in the name of Jesus. All those nightmares out in Jesus' mighty name. We command it. And we believe it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. I want to pray for those of you that are getting delivered. And I also want to pray for those that are going to be deliverers. Remember, God doesn't just want to deliver you. He wants to use you to deliver others. Father, we pray right now that you would break off the spirit of timidity and fear that is holding people back from doing deliverance. I pray, Lord, that you would raise up tonight 4,000 deliverers, 4,000 people on this live that would go out and begin to do the work, Lord, that they would begin to drive out demons. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would train them, you would guide them. 
you would equip them. You would show them that you've given them the power. You've given mm. them the authority. I just pray, Lord, that they would do it tonight in Jesus' name. Lord, bring people in their life that need deliverance. Bring people in their life that are on the verge of breakdown and that they would be the one to bring them breakthrough. We thank you, Lord, for filling us with the Holy Spirit. I pray right now, every single person watching, even on the replay, you'd be baptized now in the Holy Spirit. Yes. All you need to do is ask, hunger, and thirst, and God will fill you according yes. to Jesus with his Holy Spirit. So Father, we just pray, fill them right now with the Holy Spirit and boldness. Fill them with the power of God. Break off laziness. Break off compromise. Break off the stale, dead, comfortable Christianity that's holding us back from doing your work. I pray, Lord, they would go out as laborers into the harvest. Lord, you said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We pray tonight, Lord, that you would raise up end time laborers that would go out and drive out demons, lay hands on the sick and preach mm. the gospel. I yes. pray, Lord, that you would break off this complacent Christianity off of us. I pray, Lord, that the spirit of religion would be broken tonight and that we yes. would know that we can do deliverance. We can do deliverance. Lord, do it in our friends. Do it in our family. Use us as deliverance ministers, Lord. I pray tonight in Jesus' name, we wouldn't have to bring them to Pastor Greg or bring them to Isaiah's revival, but Lord, we would bring the church to them, that we would go and make disciples. Yes. We would Hallelujah. go and drive out demons. I hear the Lord saying to some of you, go. You've been waiting for years. You've watched every video. You've learned every seven steps, 10 steps, 12 steps. You've read all the teachings we've all ever done, and yet you still haven't cast out one demon. And God is saying, go. You've been believers for so long, by mm. now you ought to be teaching other people. Father, help us. And I really want to pray this, those that have been believers for so long, and I'm not here to put you down, but you've been years in the church with no fruit in your life. I pray, mm. Lord, something would change tonight. Something would break where all of a sudden a light bulb would go on, your eyes would open, and you'd say, I've been called to do this. The responsibility, I pray that your heart would break for those that are demonized around you. I pray that mm. we wouldn't just see suicide on the news and go, oh, another, but we would say, Lord, help us stop this. Help mm. us stand in the gap. I can't see another friend take his life. I can't see another family member die of an overdose. I can't see fentanyl, the fentanyl crisis take over. I gotta stand up and start breaking the spirit of addiction, coming against the spirit of suicide. Father, I pray that as you mm -hmm. wept when you saw the brokenness, I pray that we would weep. I literally pray this week that some of you would begin to weep as you saw the broken people around you that you've done nothing to help. Lord, give us the tools, equip us, and train us tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Pastor Greg, Amen. I know we've been here for about an hour and a half. I so appreciate your time, you being on here. I know people are in the chat are asking that are in Tennessee, where your church is. Maybe they're not even in Tennessee. Let yeah. us know where can we find you, your pages. I put your YouTube channel in the description. Make mm -hmm. sure everybody on right now, everybody go subscribe to his YouTube channel. You can find it there. Where else can they find you and, and connect with your church and your ministry? Yeah, they can find me on all the socials at just at Pastor Locke. But if they want to go to the church website, it's Global Vision BC, like Bible Church, globalvisionbc.com. We have an app there and all of that. And we're in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. If anybody's looking for a church that believes in deliverance ministry and Come is in full-blown revival, we are seven miles straight east of the Nashville airport. And we're in a giant tent, and we're going to stay in it because God's doing the work. Now, I want to say, if you're wanting to go to a week 
watered down compromised church do not go to his church i'm no, telling you no. right now do not go and be oh at my church hey it's not your church we're here to see mm. deliverance revival Man. i was just there i could attest that revival is happening it's not coming it's actually happening Amen. deliverance isn't coming deliverance is now it's happening we're in the deliverance revival is there anything else before we get you off here pastor greg that you wanted to say hey that's it brother you've done a fine job thank you for letting me on the program and i, I, I appreciate your ministry you may be younger than me, but you have no idea how much And how did influence. you hear about my ministry by chance? Uh, one of our security guards at night, I, heard, I drove by and I heard this guy. I mean, he was winding up in his truck <laughs> and I was like, who is that? He said, have you heard of this guy? And I looked you up and there you were. And that's how I found a lot of the other guys. And so, man, I thank you for discipling me from afar when you didn't mm. even know it. And that was awesome. just a, a, a blessing to, to know you now and to be your friend. So let's... Lock shields and do it, brother. Yes, thanks so much. We'll have you back on. We definitely want to blast the movie too. When we get guys, when yes. we get the new trailer, we get the release date. The tickets yes. go. Trust me, we're gonna let you guys know. Everyone's freaking out. Where do I buy tickets? We're gonna let yep. you guys know. We're gonna blast it hard. Yep. So you'll be tired of hearing about it when we're done. But we're gonna blast it. Thank you so much, Pastor Greg, for being on tonight. Thank you, my brother. All right, man. God bless you. Bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.